Welcome back to SetAndMoon.com. My, my name is Joseph Dumont, and it's Saturday evening, March 18th, and it's 11 30 And I just watched the national news just to see what's going on in the world, and I am flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. For years, we have been telling you and teaching you about the sabbatical years and the jubilee cycles and what they mean in prophecy and how they relate to end time prophecy. Night after night, I see this stuff. Night after night, I see it. I'm not able to get the message out fast enough. And now that we started these podcasts, I'm able to do that. The newsletter comes out once a week. The podcast, I can pop them off whenever I'm, I see it or feel the need to put one out. We've been trying to crank them out, get up to speed here, learn how to do it. We've made mistakes. But now the news is happening. Donald Trump has been in office on March 20th for two months. And today is March 18th. Last week or the week before, Korea, North Korea, fired off four missiles. They're testing the Americans. They're putting on edge the Japanese and the South Koreans. And they have a missile. They say they have a missile that can reach Alaska, if not, you know, California. So what is going on? What is going on? The news today is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And I got a bunch to say to you. So let me get right to it. Let's go to Leviticus 26. Let's start in verse Leviticus 26, verse 14. And this is talking about the sabbatical cycles. And Leviticus 25 has just talked to you about the sabbatical and jubilee years. So now, if you won't keep those sabbatical and jubilee years, uh, Leviticus 26, 1 to 14, gives you the blessings if you obey. But if you won't obey, here are the curses that will come to you if you don't obey. Verse 14, But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant... This is referring to the covenant made at Mount Sinai in which all of our ancestors said, I do, I do, we will, I do, at the marriage covenant, the ketubah, that we made with Jehovah at Mount Sinai. This is the covenant that we're breaking. Verse 16, I also will do this to you. I, Jehovah, will appoint even terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. He is going to send terror. And this weekend, the German Chancellor Merkel was there in Washington to visit President Trump. The Hittites, Heth, Hittites, that means terror. Go and watch our teaching on Assyria. It means terror. The Hittites, the Assyrians, moved from Turkey after the Babylonians defeated them in 534. 5 BC, 536 BC, the Assyrians migrated up to what is today present-day Germany. In Assyria, they had tribes that were called Hittite, Kerman. Oh, and the other name slips my mind right now. Go and look it up. I've got them all there on that Assyrian teaching. And those people today are the German people, the Assyrian people, and Bible prophecies always talking about the Assyrians and what they're going to do in the last days to Israel. So you got to understand who Israel is, you got to understand who the 12 tribes are, and you got to understand who Assyria is. Assyria, Germany, Heth, Hittite, it means terror. I, Jehovah, will send terror 
over you. I will appoint terror over you. And since 9-11, we have been in this war in Iraq and this war in Afghanistan fighting against terror. And then President Obama pulled out the troops out of Iraq. And what happened? They didn't get the job done. But what happened? ISIS became the dominant power there. And ISIS has been in the news. ISIS is going to dominate or Islam is going to dominate the world. And we've been telling you how this is a prophecy from Isaiah to his son Esau in the last days when he breaks off the yoke of his brother Jacob. You're witnessing that happening right now. Verse 17, I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you. Who hates you? Islam hates you. And they are going to reign over you and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Verse 18. And after all this, if you... And so that's the first punishment. So this is the first seven years in the sabbatical cycle. And in our charts, you know, go to our, our library on sightofmoon.com. In there is a section on charts. And this is the sabbatical jubilee cycles from the beginning of Adam to the end of days in this, the end of the 6,000 year right now that we're in. And you can see these charts. And if you go there to 1996, that was the last Jubilee year. That was also the start of this current 120th Jubilee cycle. That is the first curse cycle. First sabbatical cycle of seven years. This is where this first curse fits in there. That's where 9-11 took place. That's where uh, the Tanzania and Kenya embassies were blown up. That's where the USS Cole was attacked. That's where Islam began to force themselves upon us in this last jubilee cycle. They don't stop at the end of that cycle. They continue until their purpose is achieved, and that is to destroy us. So that goes from 1996 to 2002. That's the first sabbatical cycle. Now we're about to read the second curse of Leviticus 18. And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So seven times, it's talking about seven sabbatical, a seven-year cycle, a sabbatical cycle. I will break the pride of your power, the military pride. We're very dominant. We're the world's dominant power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. That is severe drought, extreme heat, severe weather. And this started in 2003, and it goes to 2009, which was the last sabbatical uh, year. And during that time, we've had some of the hottest years recorded on history. Now, the weather continues to get hotter every year here, according to the records that they're keeping. Yeah, I know some people dispute that, but it's still there. And your, verse 20, And your strength shall be spent in vain, and your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. That's because of the drought and severe weather and extreme climate change that's going on. Then if you walk contrary to me, verse 24, or 21, then if you walk contrary to me, contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues, another sabbatical cycle, according to your sins. The sins are we're not keeping the covenant at Mount Sinai. This sabbatical cycle starts in 2010 and goes to 2016. The end of this sabbatical cycle, this third curse cycle, is at Aviv 2017. That is just two weeks away from now, a week and a half from now. Today is March 18th. 
Verse 22, I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number. That word rob means it's going to bereave you, take away your children, remove them from your womb. Is this miscarriages? Is this Zika? Wild beasts. I used to think that was lions and bears and dogs and sharks. Mosquitoes. Bacteria. Microscopic diseases that can kill us. We've had Zika, we've had bird flu, we've had swine flu, H7N1, H7N1, H5N1, Ebola, during the sabbatical cycle. And there's more coming. Now we get to verse 23. This is the beginning of the fourth sabbatical cycle. The one we are in, or about to begin, right now. At Aviv, just in a week and a half's time, two weeks' time, the start of the for sabbatical cycle in 2017. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you and I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Seven times, referring back to the sabbatical cycle, your sins, referring back to the covenant made with Jehovah at Mount Sinai. Go and read Exodus 19 and 20. Go and read it. And then read up to 24, up to chapter 24, and read what we agreed to do. But we haven't done it. And we're not doing it now. Verse 25. And I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Some people think this is a, a license to have ten wives. Don't be so stupid. Look what ISIS is doing over there. They're killing all the men, and they're keeping all the women. Ten to one is what you're being told. Ten women to one man, because all the rest of the men are being shot, killed, beheaded, tortured, and executed. Wake up. Look at what's going on in the world. And stop thinking that you're privileged because you think you're going to be raptured. Or you think that you're going to be saved because you believe in Jesus. If you're not keeping the covenant, if you're not obeying Jehovah, you are going to have to pay for that price with your own life. Yeshua paid that price for you if you obey. That's the grace part. But if you're not willing to obey, you're going to have to pay that price with your own life and with the life of your own children. Oh, well, we got more to read. Verse 27. And after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury. And I, even I, this is Jehovah speaking. I, Jehovah, even I, Jehovah, will chastise you seven times for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. And you shall eat the flesh of your sons and daughters. Okay, I read that twice. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altar, and cast your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols. Do you see what Jehovah is going to do to us? Do you see what he is sending? Do you see what he is orchestrating? Now, there's a couple more things I want to share with you. Today's date is March 18th. This is the, uh, the sun. And Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, on a visit to the Far East, announced that the policy of strategic patience had ended as far as North Korea was concerned. 
The byline is the U.S. hinted that it would consider a preemptive strike on North Korea as President Trump took aim at the country's despotic regime. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson on a visit to the Far East announced that the policy of strategic patience had ended and refused to rule out military action against Kim Jong-un. We've just read the fourth curse and we are about to enter the fourth sabbatical cycle. And here is today's news. Visit here by Secretary of State Tillerson is expected to be cordial but prickly, especially with that tweet last night by President Trump where he said North Korea is behaving very badly, uh, has been playing the United States for years. China has done little to help. Now, the Secretary of State is expected to press China to use its leverage with the North and make they introduced the idea of imposing secondary sanctions on Chinese companies doing business there. In statements after the meetings, the Secretary of State reiterated his position that years of diplomacy have yielded little with North Korea. Here's what he had to say. The tensions on the peninsula are quite high right now and that things have reached a rather dangerous level. And we've committed ourselves to do everything we can to prevent any type of conflict from breaking out. China's position is that it's doing all it can and that anything drastic would cause chaos at China's borders and possibly lead to war in the region. So China's pushing diplomacy. But just yesterday, Mr. Tillerson gave the strongest indication yet that the U.S. may consider a preemptive strike against North Korea. Also, China strongly opposes the U.S. missile defense system that's being deployed in South Korea and possibly expanded to Japan. The way China sees it, it creates a security alliance in Asia that's aligned against China. So this is a major stumbling block in these U.S.-China talks. At a time when Kim Jong-un is threatening a missile capable of reaching the United States, and there is also concern of another nuclear test. So these are crucial moves being made by the U.S. and China. Mr. Tillerson will meet tomorrow with China's President Xi Jinping, who is expected to meet with President Trump next month. Craig, thank you. Janice Mackey, Freyer for us this morning. Janice, thank you. That was NBC News, and up next we have the uh, PBS NewsHour uh, reporting on the same events in North Korea. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson at one of the most tense places on the planet, the border between North and South Korea. It is the second of his stops on an important three-country whirlwind tour of Asia, where allies and adversaries are both close at hand. Hari Srinivasan has that. Let me be very clear. The policy of strategic patience has ended. From South Korea, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson signaled a tougher line on dealing with North Korea, including the possibility of a preemptive military strike. Certainly we do not want to, for things to get to a military conflict if they elevate the threat of their weapons program to a, to a level that we believe requires action. That option is on the table. Tillerson spoke in Seoul after visiting the demilitarized zone that separates the two countries and the truce village of Panmunjom. North Korean soldiers looked on, snapping pictures. The secretary arrived at a time of mounting tensions. North Korea has test-fired ballistic missiles twice in the last three weeks. As U.S. and South Korean troops conduct elaborate annual joint exercises, the North also carried out two nuclear tests last year. Yesterday in Japan, the secretary said 20 years of attempts to curb Pyongyang's nuclear ambitions have failed. In the face of this ever-escalating threat, it is clear that a different approach is required. The purpose of 
part of the purpose of my visit to the region is to exchange views on a new approach. This morning, President Trump weighed in via Twitter. He wrote, North Korea is behaving very badly. They have been playing the United States for years. China has done little to help. The Chinese have condemned North Korea's nuclear and missile tests. But they also oppose deployment of the U.S. ballistic missile defense system, known as THAAD, to South Korea. Tillerson answered today in Seoul before heading to Beijing tomorrow. While we acknowledge China's opposition, its economic retaliation against South Korea is inappropriate and troubling. We ask China to refrain from such action. The South Korean foreign minister underscored the U.S. argument that the missile defense system is not aimed at China. But the recent ouster of South Korea's president in a corruption scandal could change the landscape. The liberal candidate favored to win the presidency in May says he'll review the THAAD deployment and consult with China. The United States is not ruling out a preemptive strike on North Korea. And then later today, China told both North Korea and the United States to pull back and talk with restraint. This is incredible. This is incredible news. But there's more. Today, President Trump was meeting with Angela Merkel, or this, this past week, the last couple of days. And the tension between them was palatable. They wouldn't shake hands on camera. She wouldn't smile with him. He made some, some jokes and she didn't get it or didn't laugh. So President Trump tweeted from Florida today, Despite what you have heard from the fake news, I had a great meeting with German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Nevertheless, Germany owes vast sums of money to NATO and the United States must be paid more for the powerful and very expensive defense it provides to Germany. Donald Trump is in negotiating. He's a businessman. He's trying to negotiate here. He's trying to get repaid for the defense of NATO and Europe that the United States has provided. Because running an army such as the United States has is a very expensive proposition. So he wants to get paid back. But like I said in my last podcast about the, the going, what's going on here in the European Union, is that he's upsetting a lot of feathers over there, ruffling a lot of feathers. And people are now wanting to rearm Germany, rearm Europe, as we heard Nigel Farage say in a podcast there last week. But also they want to get nuclear armaments so they can defend against the big bad Russians. But the Russians don't have this curse of Leviticus 26 hung over their head. It's us who do. The Americans, the Canadians, the British, the Australians. It's us. Are we hearing this? Are we ready for this? Are we awake to what's going on? In the past, I remember when Germany said that they would use a preemptive strike on an enemy if they deemed it was necessary. They said that after George Bush. Okay, so here's a, a short clip on George from George Bush, September 20th, 2001, right after 9-11 took place, declaring war on terror. And I want you to listen to it. He's going to say a lot of the same things I've just mentioned already. And then there's another clip following that about the preemptive strikes. Have a listen. On September the 11th, enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country. Americans have known wars, but for the past 136 years, they have been wars on foreign soil, except for one Sunday in 1941. 
Americans have known the casualties of war, but not at the center of a great city on a peaceful morning. Americans have known surprise attacks, but never before on thousands of civilians. All of this was brought upon us in a single day, and night fell on a different world, a world where freedom itself is under attack. Americans have many questions tonight. Americans are asking, who attacked our country? The evidence we have gathered all points to a collection of loosely affiliated terrorist organizations known as Al-Qaeda. They are some of the murderers indicted for bombing American embassies in Tanzania and Kenya and responsible for bombing the USS Cole. Al-Qaeda is to terror what the mafia is to crime, but its goal is not making money. Its goal is remaking the world and imposing its radical beliefs on people everywhere. The terrorists practice a fringe form of Islamic extremism that has been rejected by Muslim scholars and the vast majority of Muslim clerics, a fringe movement that perverts the peaceful teaching of Islam. The terrorist directive commands them to kill Christians and Jews, to kill all Americans, and make no distinctions among military and civilians, including women and children. This group and its leader, a person named Osama bin Laden, are linked to many other organizations in different countries, including the Egyptian Islamic Jihad and the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. There are thousands of these terrorists in more than 60 countries. They are recruited from their own nations and neighborhoods and brought to camps in places like Afghanistan, where they are trained in the tactics of terror. They are sent back to their homes or sent to hide in countries around the world to plot evil and destruction. The leadership of al-Qaeda has great influence in Afghanistan and supports the Taliban regime in controlling most of that country. In Afghanistan, we see al-Qaeda's vision for the world. Afghanistan's people have been brutalized. Many are starving, and many have fled. Women are not allowed to attend school. You can be jailed for owning a television. Religion can be practiced only as their leaders dictate. A man can be jailed in Afghanistan if his beard is not long enough. The United States respects the people of Afghanistan. After all, we are currently its largest source of humanitarian aid, but we condemn the Taliban regime. It is not only repressing its own people, it is threatening people everywhere by sponsoring and sheltering and supplying terrorists. By aiding and abetting murder, the Taliban regime 
is committing murder. And tonight, the United States of America makes the following demands on the Taliban. Deliver to United States authorities all the leaders of al-Qaeda who hide in your land. Release all foreign nationals, including American citizens you have unjustly imprisoned. Protect foreign journalists, diplomats, and aid workers in your country. Close immediately and permanently every terrorist training camp in Afghanistan and hand over every terrorist and every person in their support structure to appropriate authorities. Give the United States full access to terrorist training camps so we can make sure they are no longer operating. These demands are not open to negotiation or discussion. Taliban must act and act immediately. They will hand over the terrorists or they will share in their fate. So that was September 20, 2001, and that was right after 9-11 took place. And that eventually led to the speech he gave at West Point in which this Bush doctrine developed about preemptive strikes. And here it is, uh, President, well, I'm going to let you listen to the clip first, but President Trump is also saying the same thing now, and he has uh, Chancellor Merkel at the White House at the time that this is taking place. Very, very dangerous times we're living in because the Germans will use a preemptive strike. So here, listen to what this uh, lady has to say about that Bush Doctrine. The Bush Doctrine is a phrase used to describe various related foreign policy principles of the 43rd President of the United States, George W. Bush. The phrase was first used by Charles Crawthammer in June 2001 to describe the Bush administration's unilaterally withdrawing from the ABM Treaty and rejecting the Kyoto Protocol. After 9-11 the phrase described the policy that the United States had the right to secure itself against countries that harbor or give aid to terrorist groups, which was used to justify the 2001 invasion of Afghanistan. Different pundits have attributed different meanings to the Bush Doctrine. It was used to describe specific policy elements, including a strategy of preemptive strikes as a defense against an immediate threat to the security of the United States. This policy principle was applied particularly in the Middle East to counter international terrorist organizations. Generally, the Bush Doctrine was used to indicate a willingness to unilaterally pursue U.S. military interests. Some of these policies were codified in a National Security Council text entitled The National Security Strategy of the United States, published on September 20, 2002. So that is the preemptive strike strategy, known as the Bush Doctrine, that's being used today. And 
it's being discussed in, in for North Korea, it's been discussed in South Korea and Japan with the Chinese, and it's been discussed publicly with Angela Merkel here at, the, at Washington in the United States. This is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Brethren, you got to understand, it's Jehovah who's sending this terror on the United States. It's Jehovah who sent Al-Qaeda. It's Jehovah who's sending ISIS. It's Jehovah who's raising up these jihadists in Islam to attack us. It's prophesied in Isaac's blessing to Esau. You've got to understand this. The religion of peace is not a religion of peace. Okay, you understand that. This peace is coming. This peace, peace is coming here. Oh, but there's something here we got to look at. Something you got to remember. In Ezekiel 13, it's talking to the false prophets of Israel, the false teachers in Israel. Verse 10, because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying peace, when there is no peace, and one builds a wall, and they plaster with untempered mortar. Peace, when there is no peace. Let's look also at uh, Jeremiah 6.14. Jeremiah 6.14. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed. They did not even blush. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. You're being told that Islam is a peaceful religion. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Islam is a peaceful religion. Yeah, yeah, we believe that. But everywhere where Islam is, there is no peace. Nothing but confrontation. Again, that goes back to Isaiah's prophecy to his son Esau. Brethren, the world is turning upside down and is going faster and faster every day. Follow us on these podcasts. Follow us on sightofmoon.com. Start to learn what's going on. Daniel's 70 weeks takes place. It's 70 jubilee cycles from the time that Moses was told to go and get the people. And when you understand the chronology, again, in that chart that I told you to get at the beginning of this program, it's free on my website. Go and get it, download it, and look at it. 70 jubilee cycles from the time that Moses got the people and led them to the Exodus. We're coming up that time of year when the Exodus took place. 70 jubilee cycles later brings us to this one that we're in right now. This one that began in 1996. 1996 was the end of the 69th week or the 69th jubilee cycle. The 70th jubilee cycle that Daniel 9 speaks about says that in the middle of that jubilee cycle, Israel is to be cut off. Israel is to be cut off. That middle is 2020. Between 1996 and 2044, the middle is 2020. That's when Israel is to be cut off. That's also President Trump's fourth year. Do you see what's going on? That 2020 is also in the fourth sabbatical cycle. It's also the cycle of this fourth curse that I will send war. Jehovah is going to send war on you. You can deny the covenant. You can deny keeping the Torah. You can deny keeping the Sabbath and the holy days and the sabbatical year. You can deny it till the cows come home. But when that sword comes, you will be on your knees praying just like everyone else for protection for help, 
for you and your family. Do you know what God says? God says this in Proverbs 1.28, Then they will call me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, and despise all, they despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. And like we said in Leviticus 26, you're going to eat the flesh of your own children and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell in safety and, uh, and will be secure without fear of evil. You, can, you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to anything. You don't have to believe anything I'm telling you. You don't have to worry about the news and all this stuff because you're saved by grace. But I'm telling you, Proverbs is telling you, the complacency of fools will slay you. Turning away of the simple will slay you. It's time to get back to keeping the Torah. It's time to keep the Sabbath and the holy days. And they're coming up. Keep Passover. Keep the days of unleavened bread. Let's start fresh this year. Let's start obeying the commandments. Shavuot, Pentecost is coming up after that. Then the feast in the fall, and you're commanded to go keep a, uh, have a holiday with Jehovah at Sukkot. Do these things. Let's start to obey them. Let's start to try. Let's repent. Let's put the leaven out of our lives. Let's put our hypocrisy out of our lives. Let's begin to obey Jehovah. Time is running out. Time is running out. There are a number of people, watchmen, that are watchmen on the walls that are warning you of these things, but you're laughing at them. You're thinking they're idiots. And I just, I read in Hosea when I was looking for this other scripture, Hosea says that's what you would do. You'll think that we're insane for speaking this stuff. We're insane for speaking out against the LGBTQ. Okay, it's uh, after midnight. I've had my rant. Share these things. Warn others. Let them know what's coming. War is coming. Matthew 24 tells us there will be war, rumors of wars. And we're seeing it. Shalom, brethren. Jehovah be with you. Jehovah guide you, protect you, and help you to understand his truths. And his truths alone. Shalom. Shalom.